us begin with breath. A few breaths that we might be more aware that the Spirit is here, within us and among us. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Facebook or YouTube, some podcast, whether you are joining us now or in the future, a very special welcome for all of God's children. Would you please pray with me uh, our community prayer? Gracious God, in Jesus, you have shown us how to be. You have revealed the world for which we should both yearn and work. Yet, so often, 
we reduce our faith to being simply another tool of our own affirmation or a means of transferring all responsibility to you. Help us to reclaim the part of prayer that calls us to a better way of being. May we recognize the role we have to play in your kingdom coming. Let us join in praying our faith into action. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountaintop and valley deep. Your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and are grateful that you open the door. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit May this time together cause us to love you and especially to love one another. Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the month, which means it is Birthday Blessing Sunday. Happy birthday to you if you have a birthday in January. Since this is the week of the presidential inauguration, I thought it might be fun to read a poem that was presented at one of our past inaugurations. I thought it was a relatively regular occurrence. I was wrong. I found out that poetry has been read at only three presidential inaugurations. One of them was at Bill Clinton's first inauguration and it was a poem by Maya Angelou. Beautiful poem named On the Pulse of Morning. So I wanna to read to you just a bit from the end of that poem. Lift up your eyes upon the day breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream. Women, children, men, take it into the palm of your hands. Mold it into the shape of your most private need. Sculpt it into the image of your most public self. Lift up your hearts. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. That is my hope and prayer for you on your birthday this year. May each new hour hold a chance for a new beginning. Happy birthday to each and every one of you. Hear now this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. I want to invite any of our younger worshipers to join me closer to the screen or maybe closer to the speaker if you're listening to us now for Time of Discovery. And you may notice if you're watching, we are actually in the sanctuary today. Maybe you can hear my voice echoing a little bit. And we just thought, we're gonna be in here again someday. So we don't want you to forget what it looks like. The uh, Spider-Man and Batman were saying they wanted to come down here and see all the new stuff that the church has built. So I brought them down here. And since I can't be with my real superheroes, all of you, 
the real superheroes who continue to do well in school, take care of your families, even though you can't go all the places you want to go, even though you can't do all the fun things that you want, even though some of you still don't get to go to school that much, you are carrying us through all this. So thank you for being the real superheroes. And I have to confess, I brought these pretend superheroes. I forgot to bring our pretend Barbie friends uh, because those pretend friends, uh, I just forgot. So I miss my pretend Barbie friends and my real friends, all of you. So we are gonna be back in this room at some point. And there are some changes that have gone on in our church. It looks a little different than you may have remembered it. And each of you look a little different. If I might say, you each have sort of different things that you can do. For instance, Spider-Man here, if you notice, Spider-Man, he's got these little bracelets because we have multiple Spider-Mans and he's the leader. And you see, he can move his arms. He's got fingers that stick out, but that's it. That's the way he's made. It will set you down. And if you notice, Batman, he also has arms that move, though. He's a little different. Very fancy Batman. See, look, he can bend his knee. And Spider-Man couldn't do that, though. Sp but Batman can't stick his fingers out. So Batman's a little bit different. Uh, let's see, who else? And Tiger King, I, you know... He can't really move very much at all. He can move his arms. He can't move his head. He can move his waist and his legs don't bend. That's why he's standing up because he can't sit down. So each of you are made a little bit different on the outside. You have, uh, I see more, you have sort of a different color hair than Black Widow does. We all look a little bit different, don't we? There was some comic book writer some movie maker, somebody out there that created each of these characters and wanted them to look a certain way on the outside. Do you think that you were made a certain way on the outside for a reason? Is there someone that helped put you together? Who do you think that might have been? But that's just on the outside. What about on the inside? Because Spider-Man, I know you really like school and you like to study, and that's good. We like that. Uh, we like that for pretend and real superheroes. Batman, I know you like building things. Black Widow, I know you're interested in martial arts. Captain America, I know that uh, you try really hard. You're brave. Each of you, each of them are different on the inside. Tiger King, I really don't know what's inside of you. I don't know what you like and don't like. I don't know. But each of you are different on the inside. There are things that you're interested in, things that you like and you don't like that are different from each other. And I wonder how each of you are different on the inside. Now, some writer, some comic book writer, some movie maker, somebody made each of these fake superheroes a certain way for a reason. Do you think that something out there might have made you a certain way on the inside for a certain reason? Well, if you want to know if something might have made you the way you are, and also if that's good, you should join us on our church's YouTube channel, WPC Tiburon on YouTube, or you can also listen to it on any of the podcasts that you like listening to. We'll see you next time. Prayer this morning, 
I don't know about you, but I certainly have a lot on my heart and my mind today. It is the weekend that we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. We have a presidential inauguration coming up in just a few days. There has been so much tension and unrest in our country these last few weeks. So much about which we might pray today. Not to mention whatever might be going on in your own life or community. So if you're watching with us on Facebook, don't hesitate to offer your prayers in our comment section. If you find that you would like to be in prayer with one of us on the staff this week, reach out to us. We are here. We are available. I have been working with Rabbi Susan Leiter of Kol Shafar uh, to prepare an interfaith gathering, a pre-inauguration community gathering. It will be on Tuesday uh, at 6 p.m. I'll say a little bit more about that later on in worship, but you certainly are invited to that for an additional time of prayer and togetherness. But for now, for our time together during worship this morning, let's simply have a few moments of quiet. And then I'm going to read some pieces of prayers by Martin Luther King Jr. I thought his words might be extra appropriate today. So let us be in prayer together. Loving God, hear us now as we pray these words of Martin Luther King Jr. Eternal God, out of whose mind this great cosmic universe, we bless you. Help us to seek that which is high, noble, and good. Help us in the moment of difficult decision. Help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world, a better distribution of wealth, and a brother-sisterhood that transcends race or color. God, we thank you for the inspiration of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, even our enemy neighbors. And we ask you, God, in these days of emotional tension, when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, to be with us in our going out and our coming in, in our rising up and in our lying down, in our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow. And hear us now, O oh God, as together we pray the prayer that your Son, Jesus, taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Blow ye the trumpet, blow the gladly solemn sound. Let all the nations know, to earth's remotest bound. The year of Jubilee is come, the year of Jubilee is come. Return ye ransom sinners home. Jesus, our great high priest, hath full atonement made. Ye weary spirits rest, ye mournful souls be glad. The year of Jubilee is come, the year of Jubilee is come. Return ye ransomed sinners home. Extol the Lamb of God, the all-atoning Lamb. Redemption in his blood throughout the world proclaim. The year of Jubilee is come, the year of Jubilee is come. Return ye ransomed sinners home. The gospel trumpet hear, the news of heavenly grace. And saved from earth appear before your Savior's face. The year of Jubilee is come, the year of Jubilee is come. Return ye ransom sinners home. The Gospel reading this morning is from the book of Matthew. The sixth chapter, verses 9 to 13. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. Jesus said, Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. A hypothetical. Someone is drowning. Another person comes to the water's edge. They stop, they offer a quick prayer and then walk away. Not because the water's too dangerous to enter, not because they've called for help, but because they assume they've done their duty. As ridiculous as that sounds, sometimes this is how Christians seem to understand prayer, relinquishing their responsibility by merely adding to God's divine to-do list. Now, of course, there is something faithful about bringing everything to God in prayer. Our joys, our thanksgiving, and surely our concerns. It's a way of 
releasing all that weighs us down or sharing all that buoys us. And Jesus himself models this. Praying in all occasions, Paul says to pray without ceasing. But prayer is not meant to release us from responsibility altogether. When I was a summer camp counselor, I remember a director commenting in a manner of speaking that he was afraid that that hypothetical I shared earlier was unfolding before our very eyes. He said, it's great that we do all this praying as a staff, but you still need to watch the kids. He was pointing out that some of the practices down at the waterfront had gotten a little bit relaxed for his liking. Prayer should support the work. It does not replace it. Now, you would have no way of knowing this, but last week we began another sermon series. I didn't say that explicitly. It's on familiar scripture passages. It's meant to echo the series we did in the fall on so-called troubling passages. The intention is actually the same. To open up to deeper meaning passages that we assumed we understood fully. Maybe to dig a little bit deeper. Last week, we did the love passage from 1 Corinthians. And this week, the Lord's Prayer, as we see it in the Gospel of Matthew. Perhaps even more familiar than the love passage. A prayer that is shared more than any other in the Christian tradition. And it's a remarkable prayer. Many pastors do whole series on it. Just consider these few observations at the outset. It begins with our Father, not my Father, our Father, because the tradition, certainly at the outset, always saw faith as a communal good, not exclusively and not even primarily as a personal thing. That's our bias, our Father. It's concerned with economics. The word debt is chosen intentionally. And maybe we don't owe God economically, although that's an interesting question. But clearly, there is mention of forgiving one another's debts. And again, the word is chosen purposefully. It's about social leveling, about how people relate to one another in material terms. Similarly, it has a social, even political dynamic. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It is about having the order of human relationship being modeled in the image of heavenly relationship. This is not just about personal devotion. This is about how communities and nations live and function. Prayer is for daily bread. It's not for the accumulation of wealth or the building up of power. It's about a life that is built on sustenance, daily sustenance. Perhaps most striking and a focus for today is that the prayer stands in stark contrast to how Christians think about and often practice their prayer lives. As I mentioned before, 
adding to God's to-do list and therefore wiping it clean from our own. Forgive us as we forgive others, however it says. Which says that in fact, God's activity is related to even in some instances based on our activity. It's a conditional prayer. Did you know that? Were you aware that each time you pray that, you're not giving God an assignment. You're saying, God, do this in the measure and in the pace and in the manner in which I have done this and am willing to do it. In that sense, it's as much about us as it is about God. That's a remarkable thing Jesus gives us in this prayer not a releasing us from responsibility, but an enlisting us in it. Or maybe a better way of saying it is a, a release from the burden of all that we carry. A release from the overwhelming nature of so much we're faced with. But a freeing up to participate in a new reality. It's a way of holding ourselves accountable and making certain commitments and declarations. There's someone whose work I've decided I want to get to know more. His name was Terry Fretheim, and he died recently. He was an Old Testament scholar, a contemporary of Walter Brueggemann, who you've heard me mention many a time in here. In fact, it was through Brueggemann's tribute to him following Fretheim's death that I became even more intrigued with his work. The two had a long-standing theological conversation going about the Old Testament and Christian theology and were friendly rivals, you might even say. Brueggemann acknowledges that he is a child of Calvinism and the strong, sovereign God who has direct agency in the world unchangeable it sometimes seems we talk that way about God in this tradition whereas Fretheim on the other end of the spectrum was adamant that human activity actually impacted actually affected God and similarly God acted on the world in the world in and through humanity that's someone I'd like to know a little better. Fredheim was associated often with what's called process theology. The, the notion that God, God's self, is unfolding, even growing. I've heard rabbis talk about, when you look at the Hebrew scriptures, now remember, those are ordered differently than our Old Testament, so you might get lost trying to do this yourself. But if you look at the Hebrew scriptures, you can see God grow up. Now, some prefer to say, well, no, really, it's just our understanding of God that expands over time. You choose. But either way, Fretheim's notion that our activity has an impact on God raises the stakes of our participation, increases the weight of our own activity. It's an invitation to a more consequential and substantial party, you might say. 
Now I know, we all know, I think, the danger of those who are absolutely convinced they know what God want, wants and they're here to bring that into being in the world. We've seen that script play out before. But just because we are cautious of that kind of absolutism doesn't mean that we are freed from the responsibility to live into the witness that we see of God in the Old and New Testaments and in the liberating work in the real world that we've witnessed throughout history. We see it embodied in Jesus of Nazareth and we claim it as Christ unleashed in the cosmos. And you can be assured that when you are involved and engaged in the work of liberation, of setting people free, that you are involved in the activity of Christ. Not ensnaring people, not entrapping people, not intimidating people, not discriminating against people, not saying freedom for my people, but not your people, but freedom for all protection in particular for the most vulnerable lifting them up that is the divine activity we bear witness to in scripture and in the world in the lord's prayer we pray that that activity unfold again in the manner and pace at which we are willing to participate in it that is a bold claim for it is not just a claim of who God is and what God does. It is a declaration of who we are and will strive to be. Rowan Williams, former Archbishop of Canterbury, therefore says the Lord's Prayer is not an easy prayer. It's a prayer, he says, that should change us like all good prayers should change us. The other day, someone posted online that prayer is too often used as a way to put responsibility on God and relieve ourselves of having to do actual work. Rabbi Ruttenberg, who I've mentioned in here before, a wonderful social media follow, agreed in her reply and added, prayer can also be rocket fuel for the work, a way of connecting to the source and filling up so that our own resources don't have to be drained. It can be a way of asking for and finding the bravery, wisdom, and strength to take the action the world needs of us. The world needs it of us. And in prayer, you can find it. Both are true. That prayer calls us to action, no doubt. And it gives us what we need for that action in personal strength and in communal strength. Don't forget our Father, our God, our Mother, our whatever title invites you in. And as to our earlier concern, true prayer will not lead you to falsehood. It decenters the ego. It places you in righteous community. It opens you up 
to a higher reality that is grounded in truth, not falsehood, not lies, not self-interest. True prayer will lead us into holy participation in truth and living into the promise and the merger of heaven on earth. The merger of heaven and earth. There is a drowning taking place. Pray. Then help. Amen. things going on in the life of this beloved community. Bethany is going to share a number of those things in a moment, but I just wanted to say thank you so much to all of you who've been giving bag lunches over the course of time. Uh, it is important that you know we have switched the day that we are collecting those bags. We are no longer collecting them on Wednesdays. We are collecting them on Tuesday mornings now from 10 to 11 a.m. Carol Gunn will be there to meet you. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff Healy and Elaine Catano. Um, and if you see them, uh, send them a message saying thank you to them. We have collected over 7,000 lunches to this point to feed hungry people, which is amazing. Uh, but please know, please do not bring them on Wednesdays unless you've signed up using our Sign Up Genius link. Please only bring them on Tuesday morning from 10 to 11 a.m. And Bethany has some more announcements for you. A lot continues to happen here in the life of the church, and I do encourage you to get involved in the ways that make sense for you. Just a few things coming up. In two weeks, on January 31st, we will have our annual congregational meeting. This year, we will have that meeting over Zoom, and we do hope that you will participate. The link is in the e-news. And you can also find it on the members section of our website. Or if you need that Zoom link, uh, let Robert me know and we will certainly send it to you. Uh, but this is an important meeting in the life of our congregation. It usually happens just once a year. So please join us January 31st at 11 a.m. As I mentioned during our time of prayer, uh, we do have an interfaith community gathering coming up on Tuesday evening. It's a pre-inauguration gathering. It'll be at 6 p.m. on Zoom. Uh, the registration link was also in the e-news. If you need that registration link, uh, let me know. I can send it to you. Uh, but this will basically be a time to hear reflections from faith leaders of various communities here in Marin. 
uh, time to be together as an interfaith community in peace, in unity, in solidarity for our country. We have, uh, as I mentioned in worship last week, a spiritual book group coming up, women connecting coming up. Our Spiritual Life Commission is planning a very interesting vision board retreat over two different Saturdays. Again, all of the information in your e-news on our website. And so we hope to see you, if not in person, virtually for some of these Zoom events. And now, let us join together in our closing hymn. Number 767, Together We Serve. this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen. <laughs>